0: I am super excited to have you back for another episode of Red Receipt. It's a deep dive into the how and why of the brands we love and the creatives behind them. From blueprints to launch day, customers as community, and the detours in between. Big lessons and easy listening. Red Receipt is hosted by Antidote, the email and SMS marketing agency by people who hate boring emails. Today's guest on the podcast is uni CEO, Alexandra Keating, an Australian tech entrepreneur turned beauty founder, designing products that eliminate single use waste. Ignited by the industry's massive waste issue, she's proving that beauty products can be beautifully designed, covetable, and sustainably made. Listen in to hear more about the vision behind the brand, How her passion for the ocean inspires her, and more. As always, thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Red. Where are you based right now?
1: I am now based in Los Angeles, which is quite a big move from New York.
0: Where are you from originally?
1: I'm Australian.
0: What uh What brought you to New York originally?
1: Um, I had just uh, sort of finished my first company like we we sold it and so I knew if I was going to do it again I'd have to move to the US and um, I'd been to New York once before and I guess that's where I thought if I was really going to make it I'd have to move there.
0: Why did you feel like if you were going to do it again you would have to do it again?
1: Um, Not to age myself, but like sort of when I was, uh, when I started my first company, I was very young and there wasn't really angels or VC. So I was kind of like appealing to, you know, friends and family friends. And um, there just really wasn't an environment or or just like any kind of platform uh, for entrepreneurs. And luckily, when I kind of went to New York, I kind of met the right person the day that I got there. Um, and that really set me up and that kind of introduced me to a world of investors and just how like angel funds work and, and things like that. So it was the, it was the right move. What, uh,
0: what, what type of business did you end up launching in Australia?
1: Yeah, it was called, it's still going, uh, it's called GoFundraise. It's an online fundraising platform, kind of like just giving or first giving, you know, I didn't really mean to start a company. It was really just about, you know, transparency around capital raising for charities and then also making it easier so you don't have to collect checks and things like that and so we were the first people to kind of put um, a payment gateway for charities Um, and so that we ended up you know really kind of moving the needle there there in a big way.
0: So fascinating. Did you uh, did you set out to start something like that in general like did you have a background in tech or anything?
1: No I was still at um, uni. I basically I think I just became obsessed with like solving the problem. I didn't want to run around and collect checks. And so it kind of made sense. And I knew that there was like an opportunity to, you know, use PayPal and Facebook actually hadn't launched or was like in the process of launching. And so I could kind of see that there was an opportunity for for capital raising and and spreading news about what you're doing and you know it was pretty fun back in the day like i used to be able to spin up pages and automatically publish to their facebook and automatically email their entire you know uh contact list and so like growth hacking back in the day was, it was quite fun. what do you, what
0: do you mean like you could literally send an email to everyone on facebook's list
1: well, we could automatically publish to people's pages, and then yeah, we, we, we you know we could say, hey, do you want to share your page with your friends? And it would automatically like suck in your contacts and <laughs> email everyone. And people would write like, why is my boyfriend like donating to my thing? And we're like, well, we really wanted to get the message out there and so you know these were things that we were just desperate to kind of like hit these fundraising targets um and so we were just trying to find different ways to kind of i guess growth hack and then i didn't really realize until i came to the states like how valuable you know what i had done um i also didn't even know how to characterize it to be honest when i got there i was kind of like i can kind of do everything and um and i ended up falling into marketing yeah
0: you mean after after the experience of building that
1: Yeah, I went in uh, on the marketing uh, side at Thrillist Media Group. So I don't know if you know those folks, but we just acquired Jack Threads. It was a really exciting time. And they were kind of, you know, and I think still are like the leaders in in digital media and e-commerce.
0: That's awesome. It's so funny that you say after building a company like that, you just like had no idea how to even categorize what you were good at at that point.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting, right? I mean, like know as an entrepreneur, you know, you don't, you have multiple, you're sort of like a jack of all trades, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did you, uh, what was, what was the experience like building a company and selling it at such a young, young age?
1: I mean, I learned a lot. I mean, I honestly, like, <laughs> didn't really have any voting control, uh, didn't really own much of the company. Like, you know, I just sort of had made so many mistakes um in the way that it was set up and so I think that you know for my next company I really kind of went in there with my eyes open um so I think it was really valuable in terms of like the structure and things like that but also like you know my idea of capital raising at the time was like two to five thousand dollar checks <laughs> and things like that you know anything that would kind of keep us going um but yeah, I mean, it, it taught me a lot. And also, you know, we were all university students. And so I just kind of like pay people when we could. And, you know, it was very grassrootsy.
0: That's awesome. Uh, you said when you moved to New York, you, you jumped into marketing. When you moved, did you know, did you like have an idea about the next type of business that you wanted yeah I had a friend
1: who had like a like a brand marketing company um who sort of brought me over because we needed to obviously from a visa perspective I needed to have a role when I got there and then um very quickly met uh Ben Lehrer and um and then went into Thrillist Media Group
0: what was it like joining such a big big organization also like growing so rapidly at the time
1: I think it was amazing. I mean, I really got to look into every aspect of the business um, very early on. And I think that their transparency and the way that they ran the company is very similar to now, you know, how I run things. And so I learned a lot from Ben and the team there. Um, But, you know, at, at every point, I knew what we were doing, who was driving, you know, what articles were working, what editors were working, what products were selling. You know, we just we created a dashboard just... Are making it so transparent but also transparent for everyone in the company and so that made it really easy for us to hit our goals because we were all very like you know um aligned where like now uh, when i'm sort of like recruiting people or working you know people from have come to us from other companies they're like wow like you you're so open and i'm like well how else are you guys gonna know where we're at you know what i mean and so i'm very transparent about everything really and um- Uh, And what was
0: the initial kind of vision behind the brand and how did you, uh, how did you start working on it?
1: Oh, for uni, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I was looking, I'm also an angel investor. And so I started looking at the space a lot, um, both in terms of like formulation and packaging. And I kind of realized like for me, I really wasn't looking necessarily to start a company, but you kind of just become obsessed. And then you're like, well, I'll just like take a look. And I realized like there's just not a lot of IP in terms of like, yeah, formulation and packaging and and sustainability is, you know, something that's really close to my heart. And like, here's an industry that's such a, you know, one third of all single use plastic comes from the personal care industry. So they've just got like a lot to answer for and it's completely unnecessary. So I kind of was like, Oh, this is solvable, but then what would make people buy it? And then, I, like, knew it was really about the design. And so I kind of thought, well, if I could get some strategic investors that would like it and I can get an amazing designer to do it, then I feel like we could do this. And so it was only as I had those conversations that I was like, okay, there is something here. And then you lean in and you become obsessed. And I don't think I, like, went in being like, hey, I'm going to go start this company and run it. I was just like, this needs to exist. And then, you know, obviously I ended up running it.
0: At the time, were you still working uh, in like a full-time, full-time role.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was advising and investing and things like that. So I was, I guess like between gigs and like, you kind of think about, Oh, maybe I'll join a VC or maybe I'll, you know, start another company or join an existing one. So I was kind of like in this open mindset, but I think that that also helped me come to it because I'd seen so many businesses in this area and also other areas that I kind of like, it created a roadmap for like how I wanted to build this company.
0: When you were t- starting those initial talks, like with strategic investors and designers, at that point, you said you weren't like fully convinced that you were gonna launch the brand on your own. Yeah. It was more just like an exploration. What, do you, what did you feel like yeah. you saw early on signs wise that like really led you to dive deeper?
1: Yeah, sure. I think that like I put the materials together and I was essentially like, you know, if these people are going to invest, that's going to, um, you know, that's a conviction really. And that means I'm doing the right thing. Right. And so once I kind of knew, you know, some of them were like, sure, you know, what are the terms? I'll do it now. And others were like, oh, look, I think this is a really good idea and you should do it, but I wouldn't invest until I could kind of check it out, you know? And so, but I was like, but there's conviction there, you would do it. Right. And so I think that for me in anything, and I'll probably do another one after this, but like that was, I think that's key for me because if they won't do it, then you shouldn't do it. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I'm a true big believer in that. Um And then yeah. on the designer front, I mean, to me it was a choice of one and I like design so important for what we were doing. And so I knew that I needed him to do it well. Um, so, you know, things start once things sort of organically start to come together, then you're like, he signed on I was like, okay, well, let's go get the money.
0: And and what did you feel like the solution? Because I feel like there's a lot of brands that have tried to dip their toe into the sustainability.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really time consuming. You know, this, this took us three years to go to market where like a tech company can go to market in six to eight months, you know, so like, I think that's, you know, it's hard. You've got to, you've got to kind of be patient. Um but it's also really costly in terms of the team. So like, you know, I'm working with people who have been in the industry 20, 30 years. And so they really knew what they were doing, but I needed them in order to be able to do it. Um, So you do have to have capital. Um, You have to really know what you're doing and you have to have the expertise um and then look it's hard you've got to also be clever because it is so so much more expensive than everyone else but you still got to be competitively priced and so you kind of have to have like the right investors that like believe in what you're doing uh but for us like we really want to be the solution. So we've always made those choices, um, you know, whether it's upcycled ingredients or using a hundred percent recycled aluminum versus like virgin aluminum, you know, things like that. And every, it does, you know, eat into your cost of goods. Uh, but we believe in the long run, if we can get to scale, then we'll have it make sense.
0: How did, after developing the product for, and uh, working on the product for those three years, how did you think about bringing it to market and, like educating a on the problem and also be getting your name name out there.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, Marissa who runs marketing for us is very talented and she comes from the beauty industry. And I think we all sort of like look at it in different ways. Like for me, I love unfair advantages. And so I, you know, before we launched went to popular cafes or brands that I wanted to be associated with, or like hotel groups and said, you know, essentially, know you're going to have a big sustainability problem where the solution like i'd love to do something with you so like that created a lot of momentum for us really spending time with journalists in this industry and educating and like having open conversations with them about everything that we did making sure that we would sort of get that pr support we were really lucky to get that and then also just getting it in front of people so like you know we um you know never paid for influences but we had a lot of people just by communicating just saying like hey we've done this differently like we really hope that you like the product i mean when you buy something from UNI, the first thing you get is an, an email from me just saying like thank you so much like this we've just gone really the distance here and we really appreciate you coming with us so I think it's just like early communication and just having a multi-tier strategy. I mean, I think with any entrepreneur, you just have to realize like in this day and age, you need to be running at multiple, you know, streams of revenue at the same time. And I think the same thing is for awareness.
0: And how did you think about building out? I know you mentioned like bringing on people with expertise and time in the industry that gave you like the authority to To really like bring a new solution to the space. How did you think about building out a team in the early, early days?
1: Sure, I'm pretty unique in the sense that like most people have like a 10% pool like I think I gave 20% to the team pretty much immediately. Um, So for me, it was like heavily incentivizing on the equity side also like a lot of people think you need to hire people full-time like you just don't you know and so we're all contractors hourly basis things like that when you're starting you've got to be so lean um and so really just tapping into people and just saying hey like can I just have a few minutes of your time you know let's just do it hourly to begin with let's figure out how we can work together and then building on those relationships organically and also like For instance, like with Marissa, I knew that I really wanted her to run marketing, but we met a year before. So by the time she joined, like we'd already worked together. I'd learned so much from her, you know, I wasn't paid, but we basically like, you know, started to develop the roadmap. So that when she eventually did come on, she was kind of already immersed in the business.
0: What, uh, when did you officially launch?
1: Like three,
0: three or four months ago. Yeah. Super. Yeah, Yeah. Super new. Uh,
1: yeah, but also we've been working on it a long time. So I guess it's sort of like come out of the gate quite strong. Yeah,
0: yeah I mean, from the outside looking in, you can't really... I wouldn't know that you had launched that recently. What what uh, Has there been anything like surprising since launching that you might not have expected?
1: Yeah, I think that there was, you know, obviously I kind of spoke to a lot of existing founders in the DTC world as well as like beauty founders. Um, and I try and do that a lot, you know. Just because there's always interesting things that come out of it. So, there are a few things I was worried about that like people would only buy one product, which is obviously like a lot on shipping for us, but like people buy most, like quite a lot of products from us at the same time. Um, our subscription's really high. We're very unisex, which is really interesting. Um, and really what we wanted to be and what we really pushed because we think skincare is universal, but it's like really nice to kind of see that data. So I think for me, the most exciting thing about launching is just really like having that data and, um, and then you can, you know, improve upon it. Uh, but we came out of the gate really strong.
0: How do you think about like keeping your um, excitement and momentum going after such a long process to develop the product and having like, you know, you mentioned you launching like three months ago. To me, it feels new, but for you, like working on something over the past three years.
1: Yeah. So for us, like this has shifted a long time ago. So like we're probably like two, a year and a half out, like what we're working on will come out in a year, like, year and a half. So like I think in terms of like this industry is how do you create newness without creating unnecessary products? Because we think that that's irrelevant, you know, and like we don't really believe in more products. And so for us, it's about collaborations. It's about scent exploration. It's about, you know, improving the formulations, taking consumer feedback, coming out with updates to the existing formulas. And so we kind of like, I guess, take a lot like, We still have a lot of releases, but they're very considered and not necessarily additive or or like, you know, selling anything in excess.
0: Yeah, I I find that part like so interesting because people, I think most often just default to launching stuff so that it seems like they have a lot going on. But yet, like, yeah, how many products do you actually need?
1: Well, yeah, they say like, you know, the best way to increase TAM is to look like, you know, launch more products or launch, you know, more markets. And so for us, we're like, you know, trying to be really considered about it. Plus, I'm not like a very wasteful person. So, you know, I wouldn't make anything I wouldn't use.
0: I think that's probably a great uh, foundational rule. Um, what, uh, what's your perspective? Like, I know you mentioned you're working on stuff like a year and a half out right now also the company so new you you talked about finding investors that really like believed in the in the mission based on the time frame also that it takes to develop something like this what's your view on like your time frame for success and how long it takes to build a brand like this in this space because i think that's interesting to me knowing that most um let me know if I froze. Uh, it's interesting to me knowing that most like venture-backed or angel-backed businesses want a trajectory that's uh, pretty rapid. Obviously,
1: yeah. I mean, I think I think if you go to well, traditionally, like I don't know a lot of like early VC guys, but you only really can raise from venture when you're at a position of great strength. And you just need to get to that point. And angel investors will get help you get there. And if they're strategic angel investors, you'll get there faster. And I really believe that because I think you don't really know who your partner is. So like who I would have thought three years ago would be very strategic to the business may not be the right sort of venture partner for me. And therefore, like a board seat and a partner in the long term. Um, so that's kind of how I think about venture and things like that how I think about key metrics for the business is like short term and long term so like I don't like spending you know money on acquiring customers unless I get a very very good cac and so for us we just test we test a lot at a very low rate um until we kind of find those different openings and you know that happens whenever it does um in terms of like what I look for in the business is probably like you know break even when it's profitable EBITDA you know things like that so um, I guess as an investor myself, I know what I want and what I'm looking for. I also believe that previous businesses in this sort of like consumer DTC space um, don't use debt well um, and over probably like put too much capital into the business, which puts a lot of pressure. And so for us, like we're very lean. I don't like spending money. I kind of, you know, treat it as if it's all my own. And so we just really want to get to profitability and build a brand. Um, And we think those two things will give us that scalable trajectory, but yeah, you know, there are certain markets for sure, but I think profitability is probably becoming a more important one on the venture side too.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think also just like knowing the long-term goals of the business, it just makes everything easier if you, have like the ability to make choices and trade. Yeah. I mean,
1: we basically have three revenue streams. We have like direct B2B and then wholesale. So like for us, it doesn't put too much pressure. And it means that we're able to kind of like lean in where things are working. I mean, I'm definitely, you know, I think coming back from like that product marketing data background, like I just continue to test everything and then lean in where it works and it'll naturally evolve from there. And the more irons in the fire you have, like the more that you'll learn in the first 12 months.
0: What a! Is there a certain area that you've seen, like early signs from that you've tended to lean into more so than you maybe thought?
1: Yeah, I think conversion in the real world is a thing. So for us, like where we put the product out into the world, the sales have gone up, and I think that that's something that I sort of knew, but I didn't think I would see it so immediately.
0: You mean like if you have like a hotel partnership or something like that?
1: Yeah, so we really like, you know, concentrate by the area. So if like we're really interested in Los Angeles, for instance, then we'll go to like, you know, galleries, retail stores, cafes, you know, and really kind of like infiltrate that area in a big way.
0: It's funny how simple that seems in a world that becomes like so complicated.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting time with like Instagram and things like that. I mean, everyone kind of knows that like TikTok performs like for us, it performs seven times better than Instagram at the moment. Like, you know, but things are just you just got to continue testing and iterating on everything and things change.
0: Looking back, like over the time since you started the, the brand and even to past businesses, is there any advice that you would give yourself that would maybe have like helped along the way?
1: Yeah, I think I, like, kind of, you know, use those things and, like, what I try and, you know, really help people who are starting their own businesses. And I think that it's, like, you know, valuations aren't important. The structure of the deals are, like, really spend time with your lawyer, understand what what ownership means or board seats mean, things like that. Um, and then I think also, like, another thing I've noticed is probably the people, this full-time hiring thing, like a lot of people are like hiring junior people full-time rather than like finding someone that's been in the industry for 30 years, who could like, you know, answer all those questions for you in an hour versus like a month of your time. And so I think contractors, especially in this day and age in like a post COVID world, you know, you really can access that talent and they're so keen to help. I mean, I'm working with people from the beauty industry who've been there for 30 years, like they wanna fix these problems and they know the answers and so, um, I would say, like, you know, half of our team is like, I don't know, not that like, the they don't really want me talking about, but half of our team's probably like <laughs> over the age of 55.
0: Uh, well, I think it's funny too. The I don't know. I, I feel like the venture like and raising world got people thinking so much about just like building out a specific type of team that they feel like they need the control of having people. In house, full time from the beginning?
1: I think it's definitely like, I think in the tech world, it's a little bit different. I mean, in, in an aqua hire to like back in the day, I don't know if it's the same now, but it was like a million dollars an engineer. So if you had a good team, so if you had like a team of 10 engineers and like you could claim a $10 million valuation if they were like a good team because someone would acquire it. And so it's kind of defensible but that doesn't really work you know in other brands and it's not to say that they wouldn't you know you could do contracts for hire in the sense that like if it works out then they'll go full time but if the company works they'll go full time anyway right so like it's not as if that talent isn't especially if you. they
0: like what you're building and they're like down for the brand in general three months six months down the road they're yeah. most likely going to want yeah
1: startups can't you just can't have
0: a burn that heavy, you know, it just doesn't, it's just inefficient. What do you, uh, I know obviously things are so new right now that everything is still launching, but, uh, is there anything later this year that you're working on that you're really excited about for the brand beyond just being out in the world?
1: I'm kind of really interested in like, I mean, we're spending a lot of time on Christmas now. And so it's going to, I just think the seasonality for us is going to be really interesting. And I think it's going to teach us a lot moving forward. Um, And so, yeah, I think probably that, and then also like a lot of the products that we're developing like consumers are starting to ask us for. So it feels like that they're starting to have an understanding for the brand. Um, But yeah, I mean, I also want to try, we're going to probably do a pop-up, and also that's probably just more so for me because i want to like kind of understand the consumer a little bit more face to face uh but just kind of like testing these sort of different things i think or i'm kind of excited to see you know where it goes
0: what uh what's your target in terms of profitability like how long
1: i think it's like different depending on like different risk profiles for the business right like i probably took on way more inventory than another business would uh but that's because i didn't want to sell out and have to overpay for freight you know and so like i'm pretty heavy on inventory and things like that i take a pretty long-term bet um and so i would say like i don't know we could be profitable in like 12 months if we wanted to be we probably will reinvest
0: yeah probably shifts around as you get closer to it and you want to accelerate um
1: yeah, I mean, I think I definitely take like a five to seven year look upon the company at any, at any given time.
0: Is there any advice like you would give other people looking to launch brands, knowing like how much the market has shifted recently, uh, different challenges that have popped up within supply chain? Obviously, like you started this brand around a time in the world that uh, ended up being a pretty challenging moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, I had like great advice where I was told and I like honestly like, you know, when you're pre-launch every penny counts and you know, I bought like raw materials um, that I didn't really want to be spending the money on but it was a super smart decision and it just means that like reorder times are are much shorter for us as well. I think like the biggest issue you can have in this business is selling out um, and I think that people obviously don't want to spend a lot of money on inventory up front Um, but that can also sort of like kill you, I guess. And so that was something that we're, and we're really lucky. Otherwise we would have sold out. So we would have been a lot of trouble, but like, I think, you know, investing in materials, investing in inventory is super important. Having an unfair advantage or a competitive moat or multiple unfair advantages, like for us, like, you know, we're competing with amazing brands. So we have to compete on performance, on formulation, on design, on packaging, um on brand uh you know on investors you know so all of these things like you have to win at everything not just one thing because it won't work and so we've sort of seen that with a lot of celebrity brands especially in this space like you just can't go get there you know on celebrity alone and so i would just say like if you think that there's a hole like go and fix it or don't do it
0: Do you, uh, what what do you see as your like singular unfair advantage or maybe like your the most Im- impactful unfair advantage that you have?
1: Yeah, so we do capture and reuse. So like, you know, for B2B partners, um, we take the bottles back and wash them and refill them so they can claim zero waste. And then also, you know, on the consumer side, they can send them back. Um, I would say like our ability to like, we're really like logistics um, is a really big part of our business. And the fact that we've already got that and we're starting to scale it will probably be our unfair advantage in the sense that, you know, in a couple of years time, we'll probably be like a leader in the space in terms of capture and reuse.
0: Are there any other brands doing that? uh, Like at scale?
1: No one. Yeah. No one's really doing it at scale. And there's like, you know, a few different people and like cleaning products and like hair and things like that. So there's like, you know, some people um, are starting to sort of chip away at it. The problem is like, it's a very costly thing. And so if we've been able to do it cost effectively. And I think that's probably like the nut that everyone kind of needs to create. Or, yeah.
0: yeah, I feel like there's like, uh, more like local type options for that, but nothing.
1: Yeah, and I think hyperlocal is a part of the solution as well, you know. Um, Yeah, and that, I mean, it it has disadvantages for us. It makes it really hard to scale to other countries. Um, But, you know, it's kind of where we're at.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I've seen more of the, like, refillable or, like, refill station-type retail stores pop up locally. But also, like, I don't think at those... It's not like you're getting the uh, focus on like formulation, performance, like the entire idea of those is just based around the refill.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I just don't think that like I'm not willing to compromise and therefore I feel like other people aren't. I mean, when I was thinking about starting, I basically bought all the like sustainable brands and was like, first of all, they're all ugly. And I don't want them in my house. And then like I also have like long hair. So then I was like, and they don't work. And so I guess for us, it was like a pretty easy like we found the opportunity pretty quickly.
0: Well, I'm excited to see uh, everything grow and um, yeah, just fully launch out into the world. Didn't realize how recently you had launched, but I love the concept. I
1: mean, no, it's good. I mean, it's an interesting time, right? Like, you know, we launch as algorithms were changing. And so it's been, it's been really like, you know, a really interesting time.
0: How do you, uh, how are you spending most of your time right now?
1: Um, oh God, I'm sort of like across everything.
0: <laughs> I know, hard to even say probably with how new it all is.
1: Honestly, it's like pretty evenly split across like ops, marketing, you know, those sorts of things. Um, But you know, we're kind of, someone said to me, like, every time your business doubles, everything breaks. And I think that that's really true, you know, and I think that there's just like every aspect of the business, like, we've just been forced to like, you know, change things or update things and it's just sort of like you know we're in immediate growing pains uh, which i guess is a nice thing to have but uh, also just like a huge time suck
0: (laughs) yeah well thank you again for spending the time uh i would love to stay connected as as the brand grows too